This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 379. All of these things started happening because of putting myself in that state and then reaching out and finding the coaches that are putting my life professionally and personally in that HOV lane of life. Because in the HOV lane, and the reason I love that analogy of the HOV lane is if you're from any big city, now you don't have to be from a big city, but if you're from <laughs> any city where there's an express lane, you know, either you got to pay an extra piece, pay extra money to be in there, or you have to have an extra body in the car with you. Everyone else is struggling trying to get home from the commute, right? They're in, they're stuck in traffic. They're running out of gas. They're getting cut off. The car is running hot and it's just frustrating. But then you look over and everybody who's in the HOV lane, they got somebody with them. They got the radio turned up. They're going 60, 70 miles an hour. They're relaxing. They're enjoying life. And they're getting there. They're just cruising. And you think like, well, but isn't that like life? Think about life. If you're trying to do it by yourself and figure out everything by yourself, it's like you feel like you're stuck. That was author, CEO, and jazz musician, Gerald Leonard, sharing with us the analogy of driving in the HOV lane of life and how our choices and making a decision of who we want to be on the way to get what we want is so important. We talk about this and so much more in today's episode of the Star Coach Show. Join us. Hello and welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. I think you're going to thank yourself for being here this week because we have such an incredible guest, Gerald Leonard, and he's going to be challenging us to think about the choices that we make, really how we are more proactive in our life than reactive, even when life hands us some pretty difficult things to deal with. And what I love about this interview is that it feeds into the whole purpose of the Star Coach Show. I'm Meg Rentschler. I'm the host of the show. And my desire when creating this show was to continually give strategies, tools, and resources that help us create lives, the kind of businesses, the kinds of results that we want in our lives and in the lives of our clients. So I couldn't think of a better way to wrap up the month of February than to introduce you to this incredible man who is sharing his vulnerability, the challenges that were in front of him, and how he was very intentional about making choices, about hiring people, about the mindset that he brought forward when given life challenges. So Gerald Leonard is an author. He's a CEO. He's a musician. He brings all of these traits and the skills from his life into his presentations, into the interviews that he does, and certainly in the interview that he uh, gifted us with. In today's interview, Gerald is going to share his journey of overcoming a crippling illness to creating his own success story. And so he's going to share this analogy about how we can 
be caught in the traffic and the stops and the obstacles of life, or we can jump in the HOV lane to create a different result for ourselves and how it's our mindset that impacts that, how it's the people that we choose to work with, how it's the the frame of success that we choose to put around things that will help us overcome adversity and really create the kind of life that we want, whether that's a business goal, whether that's relationship goals, how are we going to enhance our own lives and the lives of others? And ultimately, how does that create a better culture always around? So this was an interview that I believe is going to impact you in however you're listening today, whether it's through the eyes of building a business, whether it's through the eyes of being a better parent, being a better leader, however it is that you're showing up here today, this is a show that you want to be a part of. So with no further ado, let's go to my interview with Gerald Leonard. Welcome to the Star Coach Show. Meg, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. I am excited. We are going to be talking about something that when you're listening, whatever it is that you're doing in your life, whether you're a coach, whether you're a leader, whether you're just somebody who happened upon the show and thought, oh, what's this all about? It is going to impact you because we're going to talk about mindfulness. We're going to talk about the importance of the lens that we look through, the way that we engage to really fast pace our goals, to like get in the HOV lane, to buzz past some of those barriers that might be stopping us. And Gerald, you've had firsthand experience with this because you've had to overcome some huge obstacles and yet have created this incredible success for yourself. So I am both honored and excited to have you share your journey with us today. When we think about where we want to start and what really sort of comes to you as this is where we start this journey together, where are we starting today? Well, you know, it, it really, the journey really starts with, as you said, mindfulness and really understanding the concepts of productivity and goal achievement. And it's not actually about all that you do. It's about who you are. And what I mean by that, and, it's, and this is a part of me telling my story, uh, for you, those who, who just kind of tuning in and trying to, trying to learn like who I am, you know, I'm a classical and trained jazz and musician, did my bachelor's and master's at Cincinnati Conservatory, well, my bachelor's at Central State and then Cincinnati Conservatory for my master's. Spent a year with uh, David Walter at Juilliard, played professionally in New York, did some ministry work, and made a decision that I didn't want to be on the road. And I didn't want to play certain places. And I had a family. And I started, I got into IT consulting. At the time, when if you could spell IT, you could get in. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I always say. And, you know, because of all the musical training, picking up the computer was like picking up another instrument because it uses so much of the same parts of the brain. So long story short, fast forward 20 plus years, and I find myself with a career of consulting and playing music simultaneously. And I began to speak professionally in the business world. 
And everyone would, and I would tell my stories of my upbringing and my, my background, and everyone would come up and go, tell me more about the music. Tell me more about what you learned there. And tell me more about the ministry things that you did. And, and they were more interested in, like, they would hire me for the yeah. skills I had and, and for the business, but they wanted to talk about these other parts of my life. And so eventually I figured out how to bring them all together. And that led me to up to one weekend in August of 2018, where I was at a workshop. It was a spiritual workshop, and there was a lot of stress going on, and I had been working really hard. Uh, I was the main breadwinner of the house, and so a lot of things were on my shoulders. There was a lot of stress at that time in my life. And I woke up, and I thought, okay, this is going to be a great day. I jump in the shower, and everything turns upside down. I couldn't make the left to the right. I mean, the walls, it was, I was rushed to the hospital. Yeah, I was rushed to the hospital. I was spent a day and a half in the hospital. And when I finally was able to be released, I had to prove to them that I could use a walker to move myself down the hallway because I had literally lost the ability to walk. And they said that it was a major bout with vertigo, but they weren't sure because it wasn't a normal vertigo because normal things that they would do with someone who has vertigo, they weren't able to do with me. And so they had to send me to a specialist. And as I'm laying in bed, I'm laying there thinking for about a week. I couldn't look at my laptop or anything. And I'm thinking about my family. I'm thinking about life. Like, is this it for me? Like, what does this mean? But I'm also thinking about that in six weeks, I was scheduled to do a TEDx talk. Oh, my God. And my TEDx. So imagine imagine being in a situation where Your you have- Your big this, break. I get a TEDx talk. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody wants to do a TEDx talk. And it's like, okay, I finally got it. And literally, there were about 300 people that auditioned, and only 29 of us were selected. So I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to make this work. I am the cream of the crop, doggone it. I got to be there. <laughs> it was somewhat like that. But at the time, I'm sitting there laying going like, okay, I can't even walk. And I'm trying to yeah, just figure and I gotta out what's going on life. And, exactly. Yeah. And so my talk is called, if you can see the instruments behind me, what if practice is performance, the neuro, and it's falling in love with music, but it's really about the neuroscience of music. Because I got into neuroscience because of some things with my son and so on and so forth, and I really wanted to understand better. So as I'm laying there, I'm thinking, you know, the, from all the research, it says if, you, if you're a musician, as you're playing your musical instrument, the brain gets activated so much that it will rewire itself. It will work around blocks. And so I thought, okay, well, what, do, what else do I have to lose? And so as soon as I could, I made my way to my office, which was next door to my bedroom at the time in Maryland. And I'm holding onto the walls. I'm using the walker stick and so on. I get there. I grab one of my bases from behind me and I play. And I was like, think I can still play because I didn't know if I could still play or not. And so I played for an hour. I was exhausted. I went back to bed. I woke up the next day and I felt better. I just felt different. And so I felt a little bit more stable. I felt a little bit more clear headed. The wooziness wasn't as bad. It was still very bad. I had to take like the motion sickness medication just to kind of help me walk. With I mean, it was really, really bad. Yeah. And so every day I did that up to about three weeks where I had to go into my first doctor's appointment. And I walked in unassisted to this doctor's appointment. And I was very gated. I was very deliberate in my, my approach to walking, but I had nothing. I wasn't holding onto a walk or anything. And the doctor looked at me afterwards and said, okay, so what have you been doing? Because I saw that you walked in unassisted. I told him, well, I'm preparing for my TEDx talk. 
because I never canceled it. <laughs> and I told my coach. not given it up. Yeah. I told him I, I, it became a goal. And I told my coach that I'm trying to, I'm, I'm working out. And I even wrote a new song that I actually recorded that's on iTunes called Vertigo. And, um, and I play out, also I'll use that and play in my keynote speeches. And, you know, as I'm laying there, as I'm going through this process, I, I share it with them. I said, you know, I just started playing my music every day and playing my bass because I had studied that music would help me to recover. He goes, yes, you've, he says, you've actually started your therapy. But, you know, at the end of the day, when they were done with all the testing, I had lost 86% capability in my right inner ear. Wow. So I only had four. And he was like, one, I don't even know how you hear out of that ear. And then two, you know, we're going to give you some additional exercises. But what you've done, if you weren't a musician and you weren't doing what you were doing, it would take you about two to three years to get back on your feet because you have a disability. Isn't that amazing? So three weeks later, I go to Delaware and I stand on stage and I deliver my TEDx talk. Now, if you ever watch the talk that's on the TED platform, you'll notice I'm very deliberate in how I turn because I was still very in the middle of the process, but I was like, I am not giving up this opportunity to deliver this talk. And I kind of approached it as, okay, if I was, if this was my last talk, what would I say to my kids? And that's kind of how wow. I delivered the talk. That and is so amazing. All of that happened without me having to just go out and try to make things happen. I actually began to learn some of the skills and things that actually have radically transformed my life. So that kind of takes you into the story of how I be. So I'm hearing a couple things there in that, you know, we can all apply because hearing a success story, one of the best things we can do for ourselves is saying, what can I learn from that? What could I potentially apply? And one of the things that I heard is that, yes, I was up against the wall. I mean, it didn't, it was looking pretty bleak. But you were not willing to to just throw up your hands and say, I can't do this. It's not possible. In fact, what were some of the things that you were telling yourself instead? Well, one is that I needed to do this. It's like I have no choice but to do this because it was either accepting my fate of I'm going to be subjected to this disability and become a burden to my family more than the person who's taking care of the family. And I needed to do it for myself. I needed to have a goal. I, I just could not see myself just laying there and going, you know, because I've never been that kind of person. And so it, this was like probably the most difficult challenge or situation I've ever found myself in to where I'm working through a brain, basically a brain injury. Yeah. And as the sole breadwinner, I had already started my own consulting practice and company. So I was like a 1099 and had my own business. So it wasn't so basically that week that I didn't work, there was no pay coming in. Right. It's not like you can call school, in sick and just access your <laughs> I PTO. Could, I couldn't call in sick, no PTO. You know, and, yes. and, and I couldn't call in sick. And when I, you know, at that time, because I was independent, my health insurance cost as much as my mortgage. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a really challenging situation, but I was like, I have to figure this out. I can't do anything except figure out how to get on my feet and move forward. And it took everything in me, obviously a lot of prayer, a lot of reaching out to some friends, but a lot of it was making the decision that I have to figure this out. And I've written about this and I've talked about it on other shows and things because there's a lot more that went into it. I ended up eventually going through a divorce and things through through a lot of this experience of things that happened because it brought out a lot of other stuff that that happened in my life. 
So it was a very stressful time. And the biggest thing I learned was through the mindfulness and things like brain gyms and the body. I learned, I started studying kinesiology. I started, I did more research in neuroscience. I had a brain scan by Dr. Daniel Amen to understand the blood flow and what was going on in my brain. So I started going deep concepts of the body and energy because I wanted to understand what was going on with me. And in doing that, I learned the power of being mindful, the power of meditation, the power of having a goal, because it was having that goal to deliver the TEDx talk that, and then writing a song kind of celebrated the fact that I am not going to lay here and take this. I'm going to figure out how to get up. And I call the song Vertigo. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this mess and turn it into a message. And it's, that's what it allowed me to do. And sometimes in life, we just have to do that. We have to take right. the messes of, you know, life, work, situations, kids, so on, whatever happens and go, okay, what does this mean? And what can I learn? And how can I turn this into a message that not only helps me, but helps other people? Because I've met other people who have had family members or themselves go through what I've gone through. And mm -hmm. they may not have gotten to the point where I'm at, where it's like in recovery or figured out how to push past it. But just right. them hearing my story helps them to go, hey, you know, there's things you can do here to get past this. And so I really do see it as taking our mess or my mess and turning it into mm -hmm. a message. We'll be back to my interview with Dr. Tori Ellis right after this. I love when coaches flourish in building businesses, but also being attentive to skill development. As professional coaches, there's a responsibility to continually grow skills and sharpen our talent saw. When credentialed, our continuing education becomes a requirement. And one of my favorite things to do in business is mentoring. Now, I consistently hear from coaches who join my mentor program that they have reawakened to the power of the process of coaching. They become more aware of what they're doing and are able to let go of bad habits that they have developed and really sharpen the process of coaching. There is such power in both coaching and getting immediate feedback as well as hearing others coach. Mentor coaching is required for ACC coaches to recredential. It applies to our core competency credits and is something that both ACCs and PCCs do to flourish and grow in their coaching. I wanted to let you know that I have set the dates for my final two mentor programs for 2024. And those dates, times, and requirements are available at starcoachshow.com slash mentor, starcoachshow.com slash M-E-N-T-O-R. If you are interested in getting those all-important mentor hours, growing in your skills, enjoying the process, then I invite you to explore it at starcoachshow.com slash mentor. The groups are already filling. They're capped at 10. So check it out. And now let's get back to the show. Well, and I love it. And some of the things that you 
Well, and I love it. And with some of the things that you said there about sometimes when something catastrophic happens, it actually spotlights some of the other things that aren't working in our life. And we yes. can either say, oh, see, everything's screwed. I like, like I've got, you know, let's just like think about all the bad things we possibly can versus, okay, so this is letting me know what's not working. Right. What do I need to do instead? What yes. are some of the things? So yes, sometimes a difficult situation ends up compounding by, you know what, this marriage really probably, and maybe a lot of the stress that had happened to create this catastrophic situation are things that I wasn't looking at or wasn't dealing with. And now I've got to deal with it, but I've got choices. And that's what I really hear through your story is yes. you had choices. And yes. one of the things that I know, because you mentioned it while you were talking, we talked about it in your pre-interview. Yeah. One of the choices that you make on an ongoing basis is to hire a coach, to work yes. with somebody to help you accelerate your growth. Can you talk a little bit about those choices? Sure. I'll talk about two other choices I had to make in precedence and pre that preceded that. And that was a choice to get better and not bitter. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes life, when life happens to us, we have to stop and go, okay, am I going to get bitter about this thing happening to me and the circumstance, the environment, or am I going to get better? And then the other one is, am I just going to go through this and go, you know, oh, it's just another situation, or am I going to figure out how I can grow through it? And so being a musician at, from the age of 10, behind me is a little red guitar. I had a conversation earlier with my sister. I stole that from her when I was 10 years old <laughs> and she let me have it. And she like more ways than one, but that little <laughs> guitar taught me some amazing lessons. And this is where it leads into the coaching. And it was one, if you really want to get, do well at a skill, you got to practice it. One, two, you got to listen, you got to lean in. And then when you get to a point where you hit a plateau, find someone who's way ahead of you and then Pay them to learn from them to get better. And so take that model of what I just said and go, okay, now put this person in a bed, brain injury, you know, life altering situation. And he goes back and goes, okay, so what did I do as a kid? I had to practice. So I got to practice my base. I got to practice walking. I have to reach out. I got to make a decision to get better, not bitter. And I need coaches. I need people. So I reached out to Dr. Daniel Amon's office and had a specs again so I could understand what was going on with me. I worked with the neuroscientists who ran the physiology department of a, a physical therapy kind of organization that helped me learn things like brain gyms and body energy because so then I could start like doing them on my own at home. Besides the walking, I would do these exercises that would restore me and rewire my brain as I was doing them. Then I started finding coaches who knew about whole brain learning, about yoga, about Qigong, about just being present, how to use the whole mind. And what I found, and it was, there was another coach that I found who was a good friend of mine, and I actually do a lot of the things that he does in his keynotes, which is play music and speak at the same time uh, on different topics. And I went out to Las Vegas, and this was after I moved down south and was going through all the other stuff, because this stuff was going on for years. After this happened, it wasn't just something that went away like overnight. 
uh, took, no, really, all, took, all of that didn't just go away. Like, didn't happen like, overnight. <laughs> didn't, go, didn't happen overnight. Didn't go. I, away didn't overnight. go away overnight. It's something and, I say often. So, yes. I remember being at this workshop, and his the guy's name is Mike Rayburn. He has a program called What If, and one of the, and Mike and I've gone back a ways and become really good friends. And he told me, he shared with me. He goes, you know, Brian Tracy, who used to coach him, said, Mike, if you really want your goals to come to fruition faster then create them as affirmations and then physically write them down every day. So I thought, okay, well, what do you got to lose? So I had at that time a handful of goals, like four or five. And as I'm going to the airport to catch my flight back over to uh, uh, Pensacola, Alabama area where I was living, I picked up a journal, picked up a little leather bound journal. And every day I just started, even on the flight, I just wrote out my goals for that day. And every day I just started putting the date on the top and I would write by hand my goals. I would close it and I would just visualize myself in those situations as if they were happening. And I tell you what, we eventually sold the house in Maryland. You know, I, like I said, I made a decision to get better, not better. I gave equity, the home, all everything pretty much to my ex. And I made a decision that, you know, I can figure this out. Within a very short period of time, I got remarried. I was able to find a, a better place to live. Within two years after that, I was able to buy the home that I'm in right now, which was bigger and better than what I had before. I had a company within, right after we sold that house, within four months, I had a company that reached back to me because the pandemic started. And pandemic, again, yep. As I'm writing out, I'm literally, I'm writing out my goals of what I want my life to be like and where I want to go and visualizing it every day. And they reach out to me and they said, hey, we know you have a consulting practice that has these certifications. We've been looking for a consulting business, but we know you. We want to purchase 49% of your company and help you grow your business. We worked together with investors. We worked together with lawyers. They purchased 49% of my company. And it just took off from there. I ended up with some major clients as my clients now. I still have my consulting clients because I was using the certification, but not because people were hiring me because of my skills. And to, to the, the main point of this is previously, I would have been running around to networking events and trying to meet people and do it. But now I'm, I'm dealing with this still vestibular imbalance. And I was still in the thrones of it. And I was still going to like uh, neurological therapy. And I was, you know, I had to take a nap in the middle of the day. I could only do two or three appointments a day and kind of balance out my to-do list. And, and so I didn't have the, the ability to go run around and do what I had to do before to make things happen. But because I was in a place where I had to learn how to allow things to happen and change who I was and what I discovered excuse me, what I discovered, the science behind this is that when you write out your goals by hand on a daily basis, you are rewiring your brain and you're, re you're programming your reticular activating system, which sits in the cerebellum. And what that does is that anything that's not important to you, it filters out. So if you're driving a red Corvette, then you see red Corvettes around, blue cars, green cars, they're not important. You don't even notice them. But if you go to the dealer and buy a blue Tesla, pretty soon you pull out and everybody in the neighborhood has a blue Tesla. They were always there. You just never noticed them. Mm -hmm. So by writing out your goals, 
you're telling your brain, this is what's important to me. Look for resources, people, books, courses, ideas, whatever, and bring it into my my purview so that I can see it or Mm -hmm. bring it to me. And that's what started happening. And so I also then learned how much stress we take on our bodies every day. So I started practicing yoga and I would write out my goals. I would sit and meditate about them. I would then go do 15 minutes of yoga, just stretching and just kind of wringing out the body of any stress. And I've added on some exercise and other things. Then I'd have like some Bible study and things that I always normally would do in the past. And things started happening even faster. And it was simply because I was programming myself to focus on these things that I wanted to focus on. And I was removing the stress. And I had coaches in various areas. I have more than one coach. And I start, then I started getting coached because, if, you know, you look at my profile, I've been interviewed by Jack Canfield. I've been trained by Les Brown now. I'm writing a book with Les Brown. I'm still in a program with Jack Canfield. You know, I've, I've been published by John Wiley. All of these things started happening because of putting myself in that state and then reaching out and finding the coaches that are putting my life professionally and personally in that HOV lane of life. Because in the HOV lane, and the reason I love that analogy of the HOV lane is if you're from any big city, now you don't have to be from a big city, but if you're from (laughs) any city where there's an express lane, you know, either you got to pay an extra piece, pay extra money to be in there, or you have to have an extra body in the car with you. Everyone else is struggling trying to get home from the commute, right? They're in, they're stuck in traffic. They're running out of gas. They're getting cut off. The car is running hot and it's just frustrating. But then you look over and everybody who's in the HOV lane, they got somebody with them. They got the radio turned up. They're going 60, 70 miles an hour. They're relaxing. They're enjoying life and they're getting, they're they're just cruising. And you think like, well, but isn't that like life? Think about life. If you're trying to do it by yourself and figure out everything by yourself, it's like you feel like you're stuck. You're trying to figure out the best ways to do it. You got to read the books again. Well, who should I listen to? And then you got all this other chatter and the stuff on the radio where if you find someone who's already successful, and that's the key, not just anybody. You can't just find, you can't just, you can't just bring anybody and put them in the yeah. car. You got to find somebody that really knows what they're doing, who, who are really successful, who have a track record, who's figured things out. You bring them in the car with you. Now, what would have taken you five years now takes you two months. And that's the magic of this process. And it's something, honestly, I learned as a kid playing music, practicing. You got to have a band, have people around you who are going to go with you, who can relate to what you're doing. And you got to have a coach. You got to have a teacher. You got to have someone who's playing better than you are, but who can help you accelerate your growth in no time. And again, that's those. these are principles I learned as a kid playing music that I've now been able to apply to my life as a, business, as a CEO of two companies and as a thought leader, uh, industry expert. Well, and by taking the curveballs that life has thrown you and said, how can I look at this differently? How can I? So if you were stuck in, no, the only way to build my business is to do these networking events that I can't do right now because I've got this vertigo and I can't. So I can't, you know, let me just throw my hands up. Instead, I'm going to go with this growing and how else could I do it? What else could work? What And applying the learning that you learned as a little boy, I love that. And, and being able to say, okay, worked then. And how often, Gerald, do we have something that worked and then we 
find ourselves in stress and we throw everything out the window that we know works and like try to reinvent the wheel. And it's like, wait a minute, exactly. what's worked before? What's worked before? And then who can I employ? Who can I work with that is going to accelerate that that much more? Such great, great lessons. Exactly. You know, one of the things that I noticed from doing this practice is that it doesn't happen overnight, but it happens quick. Right, it doesn't happen overnight, but it happens much faster than trying to do it the the old way. And a lot of amazing ideas come to you as you're sitting there writing out your goals. You go, "Oh, wow, I didn't think about that." And it's like because you've distressed your body in that moment of meditation and writing out. Because when you're writing, you're physically taking your thoughts and putting them on paper, right? And, and it's the same way of our thoughts becoming things in the real world. And so it's a way of kind of taking all of that energy of our thoughts and where we're going. And then we start getting all these other ideas or thoughts or things that you didn't think about. And so today I might write out my goals and go, oh, I, I need to go back and make sure I have that conversation. And then I would write out little notes to the side and then I have my to-do list. So it wasn't, it's, it's not like the, you know, I don't want to take anything away from the secret that people have learned about as far as mm -hmm. like just visualizing and positive thinking. But it's more than that, because as you're going through it and you're doing it on a regular basis, again, you're programming your brain, right? You're programming your brain. It's like you're turning your brain into a laser, you know, because normally if, without doing this with all the news and all the bad news and everything that goes on, our brains are scattered. We're just like, mm -hmm. okay, just all over the place. But when you're, you take, you know, your three, four, five, six, seven, 10, 20 goals, whatever number you have, and you repeatedly write them down and see them and meditate on them, you begin over time to get your brain cells and your mind to narrowly focus. And so now everyone else's life and they're talking about, you know, oh, the election or this or that, the weather, the ball game, the that didn't go so well. And you're like, what? <laughs> you, you really are because you're like, okay, I'm doing pretty good here. Like I'm, I'm focused on where I'm going. I'm feeling great about things. I'm seeing things happening. And so your reality of what life is changes because if not, it's like being driftwood out in the ocean. Wherever the big waves go, that's where you go. But when you're an ocean liner and you have a direction and you have an engine behind you, even if the waves come, you still push through them because now you have a destination. I love that you use the same analogy that I think I used in a show just last week or the week before around, and mine was sort of a beach ball getting knocked around or climbing into the boat and capturing right. the boat. Same, same though. Love it. Gerald, I think I could talk to you for days. You're such an inspiration. As we're closing out our time together, any final thoughts that you want the audience to zero in on or you, that you want to reiterate? Yeah, again, I think the most important thing is to identify your number one goal and then identify the number one person in the world who's really, really good at that thing that you're doing and buy their book, read their material, listen to their programs, watch them on YouTube, because one day you may find yourself sitting in an audience in front of them, or one day you may find yourself being interviewed by them. That's what I did with Jack Canfield. When I first decided to write my book, I asked myself, who is the best-selling author of all time who created one of the most amazing books, Chicken Soup Series, right? 
This is Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen. So I said, okay, I'm going to pursue him. And I pursued him through reading his books. I pursued him through listening to his audio programs and so on. And then I saw him online one day with another gentleman named Steve Harrison. And they said they had a program called Bestseller Blueprint. I think we're charging a thousand bucks for it. I didn't have all the money at the time. So I bought it and I, I got on a payment plan, three payment plans, right? And I became a part of that. And I and then now I got more of him. Next thing I know, I was offered another program, but now I'm making more money. I paid for it and I'm sitting in the audience and guess who's on stage? Jack Canfield. Jack Canfield. And then I take a picture with him. And next thing I know, I'm having conversations with him and then I'm being interviewed by him. And now I'm being coached by him. And so just like, so literally you can look at anyone in the world because people are now only a couple of clicks away, mm -hmm. right? And especially during the time of the pandemic, everybody was like at home sitting trying to figure out what they were doing anyway. And uh, I actually got a really good uh, R&B singer to sing on one of my songs that I wrote, the Hall of Famer. And I said, I talked to my producer, I said, everybody's sitting at home. He's not on tour. You so know him from the past. Yeah. Your... And, and let's so I reach said, out. Ask him. And so he asked him, was Phil Perry, the jazz, the R, he's a, a jazz R&B Hall of Fame singer. And he's like, yeah, I'll sing on his, I'll sing on his song. And we, oh, we, got, wow. we got him to, re to record. I, it was a song that I released with my book, Workplace Jazz. So you can go after and work with some of the best coaches in the world. And you may not get to a point where you're actually physically working with them, but you're still going to learn. Right. But you actually may find yourself being interviewed, being, you know, working with them, getting to meet them. Same thing with Les Brown. You just, you just, you never know. You just so know. I would say an assumption, assumption, assuming that, oh, I could never do that, or they would never respond to me, or that person would never sing on my song. Those assumptions are not serving you. And so while certainly it's not that I'm going to, you know, necessarily be immediately in front of this person, but certainly what is it that you can do to let go of those those thoughts those that are keeping thoughts. you stuck? Yeah, and, and one, just and determine one thing to do and what else take, could be true. Yeah, exactly. And one thing to do is to take one step at a time. Just every morning, get up, say good morning, be grateful where you are, but just do something that's moving you closer. And you never know how close you're going to get. You just never know. What a beautiful way to pull an end to this. Gerald, such a joy to spend time with you. Thank you for joining me. Meg, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Gerald as much as I enjoyed it. And it really puts you in the HOV lane of life. Some key things that I took away from Gerald is that we want to write out our goals every single day. We want to visualize and meditate on those goals, do some kind of relaxation, yoga, movement, something to get your body engaged. And who are you going to learn from? potentially higher, who is ahead of you in the lane of life so that you are focused and getting those goals met. So thanks again to Gerald Leonard for joining us. If you want to know more about Gerald, be sure to grab the links that are either in the show notes at starcoachshow.com slash 379, or if you're watching our YouTube video, they're right below this video. And if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to leave a comment of how Gerald impacted you so that other people come and listen to his wisdom as well. 
My conversation with Gerald continues in the Star Coach community, which is an incredible place to be with four live events every single month at the lowest rate that you can engage anywhere. So check that out at starcoachshow.com slash community, starcoachshow.com slash community. Come back next week as I'm excited to introduce you to Susan Daniel. Susan has recently transitioned from being an internal coach to having her own coaching business. So we're going to debunk some of those myths about internal coaching versus external coaching, and you're going to learn from her experience. It's a great interview. I'm excited to have you back next week to explore that. Wherever you listen to the show, if you could take a moment to rate and review, more people will find our show, and I am so grateful for that. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Be kind to yourself, be kind to others, and we'll see you next week.